0: So, so two weeks ago, we talked about how you were going to have the talk with Evelyn, mm-hmm. and that happened.
1: It did. We, uh, It was actually really special. We went on a girl date. We went to blast. I let her get her root beer float with dinner, not after dinner. So she really- This is before the conversation. In the midst of. She had some good questions that I was not quite prepared for. But a lot of the things I thought I would go into, I, I really tried to follow her lead on things. Um, but the one question that she did have was she knows that her cousin had a baby last year and he has not married the woman that oh. he had the baby with so as i was talking you know it it did give me an opportunity to have both the here's what's happened going to happen to your body here's what happens to the body when how a baby is made how a baby comes into the world how we believe it should happen how God intended it to be, and then how we have free choice. And some people don't do it the way that we are trying to do it or that we, we know honors God. And, and so I think she grasped some of that. Um, I think she was just kind of in awe and shock at most of it. The next day, she was with her grandma and great-grandma, to which she professed to both of them proudly me and mommy had the talk. <laughs> and her great-grandmother says, did. And she says, yep. Do you know what the talk is, granny? <laughs> granny says, yes. <laughs> I am well aware of what the talk is.
2: We're jumping into week 20. This is kind of the last week where Paul keeps moving us towards kind of why we do what we do. Uh, the gospel speaks of Galatians 5.5, 5, our hope. We have a hope that is the basis for all of our lives. And so our motivation is not in trying to make other people love us, not in trying to find our worth in and of ourselves. Our motivation is because God has first loved us. And at the end of the message, I'm going to come down where I talk about that a bit. In terms of self-worth and respect and value, a lot of times we are doing things for other people in order to get that self-respect or to get that value from what other people say about us. But that means we are only doing the things we do in a selfish way. It's only for ourselves when we get back. And only by understanding the gospel will we ever do things for God himself, that I have been saved, my salvation is not based upon how good I am, not that we don't want to be better. Uh, my salvation is not based upon how many laws I can follow, if I've been circumcised, if I started my car and drove across the frozen lake or any of that stuff. My salvation is based upon what Christ has done. It will never be taken away. And therefore, my motivation is no longer trying to get God's approval. My The reason I do the things I do, the reason I'm motivated to live the way that honors God is because I can never lose this. And so I live differently solely on the basis of wanting to serve God alone, not for what I get. There's one direction leaders should take, ideally, what would that be? Is our obedience limited by our motivation? So when you talk to people, sometimes they'll say, I pray and pray, and I just don't feel like God's listening. I don't feel like God's responding. Well, in one sense, that means we are only praying to try and get a response from God, meaning it's a selfish way to pray. I expect this thing back from you. I don't feel this thing. And sometimes people say, well, I'm going to stop praying or I'm going to stop living this way because I thought if I lived the way God called me to, my life would go better. Things would work out, but it didn't. So I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to try something else. That means that all of those things that we were doing were only for selfish motives. They weren't for the motive of understanding our salvation is found in Christ first. And so maybe a good place to go and ask people is... You know, is your motivation limited by God's response to you? Does God have to respond to you in a particular way in order for you to continue to serve love and glorify him?
0: And how do you help people process through that? Because that's a pretty deep, self-reflective—people have to have an honest assessment, right, to be able to answer that question. So how, how would you help someone kind of process through this question? Before,
2: I think the first thing you want to do with something like this is maybe you would send out that question and maybe a recap of what that looks like a bit so people can be thinking ahead, about of, it time. ahead of time. And then say, we're going to talk about that this week. So please be thinking about it.
3: I think any time you move toward the heart, you refuse to just take the, the external behaviors at face value and you really are like diving deeper into the motivation because sometimes people may not be able to recognize oh yeah my motivation is a godly one or no it's selfish I think you need to do some work to help draw that out and asking about desires or expectations or hopes you know all of those like deeper questions help people I think to become more aware of really what's going on at the heart level and that's where you see where is the motivation
0: show, is there a resource uh, that you can think of that we could share that would help with some of those questions you mentioned of yeah, approaching I'm actually, it a little differently?
3: I'm actually thinking of, um, by David and there's a list of x-ray questions. I think taking the time, again, to not just, I think we can be so prone to, especially in the church, looking at external behavior and making a lot of assumptions. And it it keeps us from really diving deeper into relationship and kind of exploring Um, each other's hearts and motivations. And those questions I think are a good tool.
0: So we'll we'll link to those in the the show notes. Can you think of any at the top top of your head? What do you love? Mm -hmm. What do you want? What do you seek? Where do you find refuge, safety, comfort, escape? So maybe
2: questions like, have you ever felt that God has gone silent in your life and that's frustrated you? Have you ever felt like you have done the things that God has called you to do and your life got harder and you got angry about that?
1: Or the opposite. When do you feel the closest to God? Why? Is it because you prayed for something and got it? So obviously I'm close to God because he gave me what I asked for, for, you know, maybe a new believer who's, you know, I'm thinking of someone in RGC who, who's going to need a tangible way of recognizing or trying to find out, well, what is my motivation? Well, a simple question. When do you feel the closest to God? When do you feel the furthest from him and why? Did you feel close to him because he gave you something or did you feel close to him because you felt peace at whatever you were experiencing? Mm-hmm. Did you feel far from him because you didn't get what you wanted or because it didn't turn out how you wanted or because there was – you got what it wanted and it let you down? So, yeah,
2: and, and going off that, maybe for a new believer who is still trying to process that, maybe saying you will probably get to the place in your life where this thing might happen. And this is a good question to ask in that moment. So preparing them for something future that's coming as well of feeling that way.
0: So if there are people that we're leading, whether it's notes tonight or over coffee or something that, that you can get to a place to identify these areas. Well, the next question, where do you need to repent of wrong motivation return to the hope of the gospel? How do you lead people in that, that repentance
3: I think that's where you speak the gospel. That's where you, you speak the good news to them in a way that's contextualized to that wrongful motivation and you remind them of the grace that's offered to them through repentance and that it, it's a joy to turn from that wrong belief to the truth. Mm-hmm. and there's freedom ahead. That yeah. their, their relationship doesn't suffer anything as a result of that with God. You know, they're they're invited to continue.
2: you don't him. have to say it like the Apostle Paul says it, right? Why would you make this moronic trade? <laughs> I bewitched you. Let us
3: bewitched you. You
2: dummies. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's a way that, you know, you speak into that, yeah, of you don't want this trade. That means that we understand the gospel enough and how to speak it in a relevant way. You know, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the result of the gospel is freedom and, and joy, and you are received by God, and you are as righteous as Christ is before the throne of God himself. And so you have to be able to speak that into these ways that point directly to, if God doesn't respond the way that you think you want him to, and you held so strongly to that, well, what is the false gospel you're holding to?
0: So what if someone in the group speaks up with best intentions to help speak something like that to somebody else in the group, but misses the mark in terms of the good news, and... And in some ways imposes more restriction or more, uh, false gospel. How, how do we, because sometimes there's an effort to have correct doctrine all the time. Sometimes there's an effort to let people say what they want to say. So what's that, what's that tool that you use to, um, help shape correct, uh, false gospel in, in the room?
3: I would go about that gently and I would name, the intent of the person. Like I understand that you're you're trying to help or I can see your point. Um I don't know if this fits your example exactly, but I've seen this kind of miss the mark in just giving advice or just straight up encouragement. That in itself isn't wrong, but it, it could be so much richer and more helpful, right? If it actually was the gospel as opposed to just like an atta boy or an atta girl. You know, like, oh, you're so amazing. You know, mm-hmm. they they don't understand a great, that kind of thing. Expanding on that and modeling, like, okay, those things aren't mutually exclusive, but here's the real, here's the real where freedoms to be found. Mm-hmm. Good news. It's not so much in that. It's what Jesus has already done for you. Mm.
2: Legalism really is outward oriented in the sense of you do these things and it's like, yeah. I do these things. I can do it. It can almost give you a false sense of an internal pride. I'm good enough to figure out and do these things through my own willpower. But on the inside, it's it goes the exact opposite of the gospel because it's very fear-based. And so there's there's a whole difference of why we do things, the motivation.
1: We're afraid of either him or not pleasing him or going to hell or whatever it may be, but that fear based motivation. Because I definitely experience that. And I think it leads into my uh controllingness, my the things that we've talked about previously, my my need to serve is to prove, right? Because I'm afraid of letting him down.
0: I remember one time I was talking to you and John about something. I don't even remember what it was about. And we were talking about uh, just I, I a sin in my life. And, and oh, I remember. You were asking me. You, you, I remember your sin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we don't say it. One of you guys asked me like, so how are you going to respond to that? And I said, and I said something to the effect of, well, it's easy for me to know gospel in my my head, but. It's harder in my heart where I think the motivation, this is my words today, my motivation for actual change or repentance comes in. And you asked me, well, how do you how do you get there? How, do you, how does it move from your head to your heart? And I think I responded, well, I think asking God for help and repenting, that it's not even that is a good first step. And you guys, okay, let's do it. And so we actually stopped and prayed right there in my office mm-hmm. and inviting him into that space and, and taking from head knowledge to heart knowledge to heart, living it out. Um, because not just understanding motivation, knowledge wise, but understanding it in, in my whole being, you know, change and didn't happen overnight, but I change began happening there where the motivation changed. Mm-hmm. And cause it didn't just, I know, I, I know what's right and wrong, but it became something I desired to have changed. Sometimes it feels awkward to do that. Like just stop in the middle and be like, Hey, let's
2: pray. And yet I got to tell you, I think every time I've done it, it really without exception. I mean, I cannot think of an exception, that it has actually furthered the conversation and brought a deeper intimacy in the midst of it.
0: I would agree. I I am surprised at myself on how often I don't go there or avoid Mm
3: -hmm. it. I think it's really important just to humanize the conversation too and come at it with the assumption. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Come at it with the assumption that all of us are gonna have wrong motivation at times. And like the example you shared all of life is repentance right like that's the path forward and i think if that's how it's framed going in hopefully it'll create more safety and vulnerability for people to actually be honest about it as opposed to
0: i would never cool well hopefully that is practical and helpful to people leading the discussion this week uh, based off the motivation
2: i concur except i'm not always gentle (laughs) I concur.